Hello, hello, and what's up, y'all? I am Lana. I'm here. We're here. I got my boys here. We're all here. We, we, us, they, we're all here. We're all here. And we're going to talk about the Survivor Series War Games. But first, welcome to the Cups. Welcome to the Cup TV the currently unnamed podcast where we put the real and the tea in reality and where you can always come to us first to quench your reality thirst. I am your girl, Lana, your resident evil diva, and I'm here to give the tea, spill the tea, and drink the tea because you know I love me some tea, purr. And if you have some tea, you know what to do. Hit me up. I am currently just drinking water because hydration is important. Is that a generic bottle of water? No, it is not generic bottle of water. I refuse to call it generic bottle of water today because today is a good day and it's only name brand for me today. So it's not a generic bottle of water, but it is water nonetheless. Work. And you know, but if I was drinking anything else, I would be drinking it out of my cup mug. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you know what? See, period. And you can have your cup mug too at wannagescreations.etsy.com where you can get your cup mug or any of our official cup merch. And we do ship internationally and domestically, so there are no excuses. So I'm looking Topher. at you. I was about to say that too. I was about to say, I'm looking at you, Topher. Gotta give me a cup mug. <laughs> but I'm looking at Topher and the WWE Universe. I'm looking at all of you because as you can see, all of the cool kids have one, and you can get you one, too. Period. But speaking of Topher, <laughs> oh, you didn't know. Then your arse better call somebody. It is the T to the O to the humpback to the H to the R in the house, and I am so excited for this podcast. I have been. There has been one scene that I have watched at least. 200 times and in the last 48 hours since we have it's in the time that we're recording in the time that survivor series has aired so i am i am just ready to get right into it it is a phenomenal time in wrestling i have changed all of my opinions about anything and everything we've gone 180 i am in it i am all in on cm punk and let's effing go period i'm also drinking a big bottle of water <laughs> well 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 here I am. It's Wes. We're talking some wrestling. And uh, some things happen that we'll get to uh, that I'm pretty happy about. And so uh, we'll get to that pretty soon. But I'm just looking at you, WWE Universe, and saying, uh, hold yourself. Mm. Mm. Wes, are you wearing your spiff jacket? I am. Big jealous. Uh, talk about hi, uh, branding, spiff space. Yeah, shout out to spiff. Uh, hi, yep. everybody. It's Brooke, Brooke Hogan of the Cup. Uh, and I'm a real-life Funko Pop because my head is huge. Uh, I'm also drinking water. I'm drinking it out of my uh, Scarewinds mug today. Although I do have my cup mug present because, of course, I do. Because I have one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm so excited to talk about Company Man Punk coming back at Survivor Series. Um, and I'm also excited to talk about the biggest return in the history of pro wrestling – our truth, period, period. So, uh, it, it, it was a great night, honestly, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So here we go. 
Uh, we're wasting no time here because honestly, there is no reason to. Uh, we're getting right into it because, duh, <laughs> it was it was actually very good. I was very excited about all of the the things that went on with War Games, and you know what else I'm excited about? I'm excited that I pretty much predicted how the card was going to go with this slideshow. By the way, I didn't have to change a thing. I just had to add the winners to my slideshow. Literally everything I said about how it was going to happen, how I wanted it to happen, it went down. So um, let's get into it. The first match of the night, Shotzi, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Bianca against Damage Control. And you know what? They set a tone and they set a standard and it was a good standard in my opinion. This match was good to me. I enjoyed it. From the jump, I was like, okay, all right, ladies, do what you got to do. Show them why they should have put you at the end, but they put you at the beginning and you show why we just go set the standard. We go have a bar high and there we go. What y'all think? This was absolutely incredible. It set things off. (laughs) right away it was spot after spot after spot eo sky is absolutely insane you know that was a very it could have been potentially super dangerous to put the trash can on and to jump off like that but they went all at it and i love that they constantly were teasing the tables every single like bit and then Kyrie sane pulls out this trash can lid and you're like ah come on you could do better than a trash can lid but the way that she wielded that lid oh my gosh i swore she was gonna decapitate somebody it was hard hitting heavy hitting heavy on story everything that i love out of a solid wwe match the women's war games match oh it just i it was not there was i could not have a single complaint about it it gets a full tofer yep, and a full tofer it gets and uh i i'm gonna double down on that tof because i think this match again was amazing if i have learned anything from journey of wrestling which is a absolutely fantastic uh management you know website you're supposed to put one of your best matches first, one of your best matches last. And this is definitely the case, I think, in Survivor Series. I think this was a phenomenal match. I got everything I wanted out of Damage Control. I got everything I wanted, except maybe I would have liked to see what Shotzi did halfway through the match. Um, love you, camera crew. But there was a time that you know Shotzi did something pretty cool, I guess, then it was missed. But regardless, great match, fantastic, great talent all around. Can't be mad. Um, I'm very happy because not only did I get to see one of my absolute favorite war game spots of all time, uh, which is, of course, Io Shirai inhabiting a trash can, uh, and then doing, I, I don't basically a crossbody, but who, who cares? It was great. Uh, and it's also a callback to one of my favorite, uh, pay-per-views of all time, NXT TakeOver War Games in 2020, uh, because she did that there as well. So, shouts to Io for that. Secondly, thank the lord they let Shotzi work in this match because this is the Shotzi I have been telling you all exist for the better part of a year um she got to do some incredible stuff in this match uh her um slice bread out of the corner was great uh some really cool stuff love getting to see her hit the ball pit on Bailey in that ending sequence with all of them getting to hit their finishers I'm happy she didn't get left out um and quite honestly I think 
if I was going to say, oh, these are the MVPs for both teams, for me, it would be EO and Shotzi on this night. Uh, I think they both really shined here. Um, I do think the wrong team won, personally, but that's just my booking. And if I was going, but based off of the segment we got online after the fact, with Bailey eating some ruffles, asking where her teammates were, right? If this is the storyline they're going to go with, I'm compelled, I am intrigued, and I'm not mad. So, uh, yeah, this War Games match was incredible. I am so excited that the women are still getting to do things like this, because even like seven or eight years ago, this would have been unthinkable. Um, so, good on ya. Good on all eight of these ladies. And Dakota Kai, she did work as well. Yeah, I will say, I don't agree. I think the right team won because of the story that we're getting afterwards. This is what I wanted to see because I knew we could, I think they were teasing us, showing how EO was becoming more and more of a leader in damage control. And even Dakota Kai has been stepping up, becoming more and more of a leader in damage control. And it's like, if EO is the champion and Dakota is like the manager at this point managing them well and getting them victories what do we need bailey for because we have oscar and we have Kyrie saying now what do we need bailey for and so i feel like that's the story that they've been trying to lead up and so with this happening and bailey getting the pin and causing damage crow to lose the match it's kind of like okay let's set it up where damage control finally turns on bailey and um, and EO steps up as I'm the champion, I'm the leader, let's do this with her friends who she has been on in several different um, organizations with. So I love this. I am I was very much a fan of this. I'm glad that they won the way that they won. I like the fact that they showed Charlotte and Becky healing from whatever their riff was. And them mending their fences in this match and having a moment. I thought that was a great moment. Shotzi ate it down in this thing. And this is what we needed to see from Shotzi. Because it was like everybody leading up into this match was like, it's Becky, Charlotte, and Bianca. And then Shotzi. And it was like, no, Shotzi had to show why Shotzi was like, oh, no, I'm not just the other person, the hanger on. She worked in this match. And it was so good. I enjoyed this match. This is one of my favorite matches. I, now, I appreciate that. We do have to mention we're not getting another pay per view this year. This no, is not. the end of uh, 2023 WWE pay per views. So, your final Ring Gear of the Night award winner for 2023 is Miss Charlotte Flair yep. with this gorgeous butterfly pink Divas title reference oh. outfit. Uh, even when she took off the coat, the, it still looked great. Uh, so, congrats, Charlotte. You finally won one. It took you forever, but you did it. You made I it. Mean, also, shout-outs to the red dress that you wore a couple pay-per-views back, I will say. I personally thought that was Ring Gear of the Night then. So, usually Charlotte Flair does come out with some style, but she didn't win uh, Ring she Gear had, of the Night. She has truly been the bridesmaid of Ring Gear of the Night like four times. I'm about to say, Charlotte <laughs> has some really good gear, and I'm like, it, it's, it's been it's been up there. It's definitely in the top ten of best ring gears of this year, I think, mm-hmm. for sure. Ring of the styling when it comes to flair. <laughs> Most certainly. And you know what, though? We got to talk about one more thing, all right? Because Charlotte's ring gear was great. The match was great. But, Lana, you brought up where does Bailey fit in this picture now in damage control? 
if no one's going to point it out, I'm going to point it out. How about as the one who saves all their asses? Ooh. Because Bailey saved not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five, five times Bailey either potentially saved the match or just saved the match, period. Yep. So, you know, when Bailey goes and maybe feels some type of way, I would imagine on SmackDown and on Raw and wherever, I think she's entitled to it. Because I, mean, I love damage control, but she single-handedly outperformed every other woman in that match. Can we talk about the knee she hit on uh, Becky when she had the disarmor in on Kyrie? Because, one, the, the camera angle they chose for that knee hit was beautiful. Great choice. But secondly, it was the one time in the entire night that I physically winced in pain. Because, ooh, like, that knee looked snug. I know she didn't actually, like, hit her in the jaw, but... It looked like she might have for a second, and for like this much, I was like, "Ooh, ooh, okay." <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, Bailey, it should feel some type of way if Eo and the and the rest of them, I will say, snubs her, and I think that's what that'll be a great story to go off of because it's like. I am the one saving you. I'm putting my body on the line. You all are ungrateful, blah, blah. And you know what would make it even better? What if they do have damage control, just totally disregard Bailey, kick her out the group or whatever, and then they start falling apart and they realize how much Bailey actually did for damage control. And then the story goes, now they want her back. And she's like, absolutely not. I don't need you because she's going on. I would love that. I would just love all of that. But I agree. I think awesome. I, I love the long-term storytelling that is taking place that we're not, if this was three or four years ago, these four women would just all pretend like they get along and they've been best friends forever. No, we are acknowledging that wars have taken place here. We have to put our differences aside. We have differences. We're agreeing to do it for one night. And this theme continued. And I also think that Bailey getting kicked out of damage control, if she can still be the Bailey that we have come to love as a heel, but just take that energy and become, you know, a fan favorite with it, like she already is starting to become, I would love that. I don't want her to go back to being the hugger. I don't want her to no. kiss the babies. I don't want any of that. But also, there's some rumors out there that there was a certain meeting between a horsewoman and Triple mm -hmm. H that took mm -hmm. place today. Mm -hmm. And, and as, as a friendly note, if, you, if you're curious, it was not Becky, Charlotte, or Bailey. If you were wondering which horsewoman was referring to. <laughs> so, if Bailey needed an out, Oh. Mm -hmm. um, also, quick side note as well. I was really happy that Jessica Carr got to be one of the two referees inside War Games. Uh, obviously, Charles Robinson, he's been in that company forever, obviously. But it's always nice to see uh, both Jessica Carr and uh, Daphne LaShawn get to yes. do some work as refs on pay-per-view. Love to see it, but also love to see them getting to do things other than just be the door holder to war games you know like i believe Carr was the person that called the winning pin in this match as well so uh love seeing our lady referees get to do their lady referee thing oh period and becky getting busted open oh, like, that, oh, okay oof. i can't remember Wes. do you remember what match it was but somebody you asked if they were wearing lipstick and then i told you their their lip was busted open uh yeah so it was not um 
It was Dragon Lee. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that then. Okay. Well, let's go on to the next match. Can we talk about the backstage segment first? Oh, Because <laughs> sure. this is what happened. Okay, so they have this, like, because Ruffles is the sponsor. We could show them all night. Okay, it was all over the pre-show, all over the card, all this fun stuff, right? Uh, so you have Alpha Academy, Sans Chad Gable, for reason. Uh, Chelsea Green and Piper Niven are backstage. They're watching the show, and they're just eating some Ruffles. Pretty deadly show up. They start arguing with Otis about if it's, if they're chips or if they're crisps because oh pretty deadly or, or british that's funny um and it felt like it was going to be this dumb like can sponsor segment that we get every pay-per-view they have this big sponsor they always give them time then the bowl of chips gets flung to the wall pretty deadly start to go pick up the chips and we get the return of our truth which is always a win <laughs> oh. Uh, oh and i love uh, it <laughs> Uh, oh, go ahead. I love, I always love seeing our truth make any appearance, anytime, anywhere, doing anything because that man is pure entertainment. It doesn't matter what he's doing, he's always going to make me laugh. He's always going to make me shake my head at something. I just, I'm so excited to see him back. I'm happy that. He, he not only gets acknowledgement in this segment, but Triple H even acknowledges him at the press conference. And he was like, the biggest return of the night. I know you all want to talk about it, so let's talk about it. Our truth is back. And I <laughs> nearly passed out in the chat. I was like, you're stupid. You're stupid. Because we're not even 20 minutes into what just happened at the end of the night. But you're stupid. But I loved it. I love our truth. Ron Killings can always come back and just do stupid stuff, and I'm here for it every time. Man also has more title reigns than anybody else in the history of the company. Now, granted, most of those reigns are with the 24-7 title, but he still has that record, okay? Don't Period. So keep that in mind. Uh, you also got Tazawa doing the, I believe they have termed it the ruffle shuffle for the evening, mm. which, was, which is always funny. I just... Mm. I'm so happy this was not a stupid five-minute time waster for the sponsor because we got our truth back, and I'm happy. Also, Mans is 51. Like, he does not look 51. One. But two, it made me realize how old I am because he debuted back with the company. Like, he returned to the company in 2008. Like, I feel old. Really, Brooke? <laughs> I really? feel old. I personally okay. feel mm -hmm. old. Go ahead, Topher. You were saying... Just that that's what I wanted to say. Just our truth being back is absolutely incredible. He's comedy gold. He is the let it me up segments that we need and he's perfect at it. And I like they just need to give our truth like his own show on Peacock and just let him do like just do our truth things. I would love that. There that's is really... only one person missing from this segment, and that was Ron Simmons. Like you add Ron Simmons at the end. Yeah, segment made. But like, especially dang. after since I was doing the shuffle, he walked in and just like, dang, <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> it would have been it. I would have loved it. But yeah, we I'll oh, oh, go ahead, Buzz. Well, you know, I only got to say one thing about Ruffles. Uh, shout out to Ruffles. Pretty good chips. Yeah, they yeah. do make pretty good chips. Original they Ruffles do make good. Original Ruffles with dip is amazing. That's the only. But those, but the cheddar and sour. But the cheddar sour cream. Oh. Come on now, you can't. Not to, Ruff, the Ruff, Ruff, if, also really good. Ruffles, if you want to sponsor us, we appreciate you here on the cup. Period. <laughs> so, <laughs> just want you to know. Just get um, Lana up at 
Twitter, which is very yeah, clearly Lady, Lady J78. Hit me up or or Instagram. That's right there too. Anyway, let's keep it moving because we have an Intercontinental Championship match: Gunther versus The Miz. Now, I am going to say this because somebody on this podcast said that this was going to be a smash and grab, and Gunther was just going to plow it, The Miz, and beat him up and leave. And that did not happen because I said, we can't put it past The Miz and act like The Miz is just some freaky dink Rudy Poo wrestler who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and I think The Miz put on a really good show with Gunther. And it wasn't a smash and grab. It was just, it was actually a good match. And I enjoyed this match. I didn't think I would be so seated for this match, but I was seated because I knew these are two good competitors who know what they're doing in the ring and they know how to wrestle smart. They know how to give us technical stuff and it was enjoyable. This was a solid match for me. I enjoyed it. I liked it. And I was, I knew Gunther was going to win it because we knew what we knew that we've been new, but I think the men's put on a really good show showing and I liked it. I appreciated this match. I really had a moment in this match that I thought Miz was going to do it. I I truly, when he hit the double low blow and hit this um, skull-crushing finale, I was like, oh, that's it. I think the Miz has got it. Um, but then he didn't. Uh, but it, it, it's like, again, the Miz is so good at what he does. And he can be a face with heel tactics like we talked about, and he pulled that off well. And he gave Gunther a fight. He gave Gunther a fight. Uh, and I think that it was really good to see Gunther thrown off his game um, because Gunther has been nothing but dominant. So to have like that, like, oh, wow, okay, somebody might be able to do me dirty because nobody's came at Gunther dirty. Everybody that's fought Gunther has been like a white meat baby face. So they've all been like, you know, honorable. So no, Gunther better watch your balls, man. Uh, so yeah, never thought I'd do that. This was a really, really good match. I gave it a T O P H. Yep. Um, you know, it kind of reminded me of watching an early MJF match, which of course, early MJF matches just reminded me of watching a prime Miz match. And so that's how I knew I was watching the prime Miz again. The Miz who's actually <laughs> trying to wrestle. The Miz who's actually trying to win. The Miz who's given something a little bit more than an NFL star. Super happy. Super enjoyed the match. Um, I, too, thought for just a moment, which, you know, even if it was just a flash in the pan, it was it was a beautiful moment uh, that got to be created. Maybe I feel like the match could have been just that much better if the Miz would have held on like three seconds longer before the tap. Um, but, you know, that's so, so small. But I at least wanted to see maybe some some endurance from the Miz. But, you know, he's the Miz. He, he's not going to sit there and take a punishment. That's not what he cares about. I also have to do one quick shout-out before I'm, I'm done talking about Gunter's great reign. He slaughters everybody. And that is there was someone who was watching Survivor Series with us, and it was not Brooke, so no – no, this is not this is not some shade, but this is some shade because they said that watching Gunther is boring, and they're 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 high, they're high. They're like all he does is wrestle. All he needs to do is wrestle. If you are a wrestling fan, you like Gunther. 
If you don't like Gunter, you don't like wrestling, go watch something else. Yeah, and I'll call you out, Ashton Huffman, um, regardless. Um, but on, on brand here, this is on the lower end of Gunther's title defenses, but it was still really good, okay? I don't I, like your tone. What? what? I don't like your tone. I don't like your tone at all. Listen, I listen don't. that is a hear hot take. Here, he, that, that is the coldest take I have possibly thrown on this podcast. Okay? Absolutely That's, not. Gunther has had banger title defenses with Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus, Mustafa Ali, Chad Gable, Ricochet. I could go on. Okay, I'm not saying this match was anything less than an 8 out of 10, which it was, okay? I don't think it was perfection. Perfection would have given them another 10 minutes to tell a bigger story. What I'm saying is, compared to, like, every other match I just mentioned, with the possible exception of the Ali match we got at the beginning of the year, I think they weren't as good because they weren't given the same amount of time. Um, This match is only about 12, 13 minutes, I think give or take um and like Gunther Sheamus was 20 Gunther McIntyre was 20 uh the triple threat at Mania was I think at least 15 but also triple threats are always more chaotic anyway like I enjoyed the match and you get to ask us I had a really good time watching it I just didn't I I, I wish it had more time I wish they would have taken like five minutes here or there because they could have done that. They could have condensed the pay-per-view a smidge, made it, like, shaved off a minute off of everything else and give it to, to this. I think that would have made it feel more important and more impactful. And not just a stopgap title offense, which is kind of what it ended up leaving me feel like. As much as I enjoyed it and as much as I really liked oh. The Miz, um, I don't see The Miz getting a rematch because, let's face it, he cheated and lost clean. Like, Gunther didn't do anything illegal, <laughs> you know? beat him clean i don't see a world where miz gets a rematch and to me that's like the definition of a stopgap title defense so i i enjoyed it but it wasn't like top tier their title reign defense for me can, can i rebuttal real quick like Please. okay first off this is the first time since WrestleMania that I actually believed Gunther had a chance to, to lose the match, which means that anybody could have won. And they gave tons of hints as to the possibility of Gunther losing the match. And that unpredictability alone made this match, to me, better than his match with Mustafa Ali and Chad Gable. No disrespect to either of them. They did put on bangers, but neither of them were ever winning this match that match that they had. And there was, they were just, those were stopgap filler matches to just continue to add to Gunther's reign. Gunther has surpassed the length that he needs. The record has been broken. They mentioned multiple times about how the Miz winning this would tie Chris Jericho's record. And we all know how much WWE likes to erase history. So I, I just truly felt that in the moment, and like I do, I kind of actually like that he tapped right away because I think it made Gunther's submission look powerful. I, I the, the way to I don't like when they hold on to submissions for a really long time because if you look in any legitimate like fighting thing, if somebody gets a submission in, it's like it's a wrap, and a submission should be so powerful that once it's in, it's in. the The whole fight should be battling to get it in and not letting it get in. That should be their false finish. But that's a whole different conversation for another day. But yeah, this is the first, I think this is the best Gunther match since WrestleMania. 
because of the fact that it had story, it had drama, and it had a real chance for it to go the other way. Let me retit your retattle of your rebuttal. Um, so, <laughs> um, first off, retit my retattle. Yeah, I'm not going to argue the Ali match because again, that was like a seven minute, you know, bit of burst of offense from Ali at the end. Whatever. The Chad Gable match, I will argue, but that's not. This is not the time for that. Um, what I will say is, I agree. I liked the match. I didn't think it was bad by any means. It's definitely one of his better defenses since Mania because. Other than his match with McIntyre at SummerSlam, he really hasn't had a lot of pay-per-view defenses since Mania. So I enjoyed that. But and on top of that, though, I also appreciated that the submission that Gunther beat The Miz with was a lion tamer. I think that's funny. I think that keeps it on brand. It's almost like their way of letting Jericho like stick it to The Miz a little bit because that was Jericho's thing. Um, but like at the end of the day, Gunther is three days away as of right now, from being the third longest reigning IC champion of all time, period, counting every reign inclusive. Um, he'll pass Don Morocco on Thursday. Um, so if he passes Morocco, he's got the Miz and Morales, and he'll beat both of them by the time he gets to Mania. So, uh, grats, Gunther, you did the damn thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, before y'all keep rebutting and retooting and retooting everybody's <laughs> rebuttals, we're going to move on because why not? Um, Still good match. Up next is the Dragon Lee versus Santo Escobar match. This match was a match. I think this match was probably my least favorite match of the night. Not because I didn't enjoy the match. It just up to the standards of the other matches that were given, this wasn't as good, but I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it. I it, it was lacking story for me because I wanted more story. And I feel like these two didn't have the story that was built up. So that's the only thing that was lacking for me because the story that was built up that I wanted to see was either Rey Mysterio and Escobar or Carlito and Escobar. And this match, Dragon Lee just felt like it felt like Dragon Lee was just put there just to, because we had to be there and we needed a match. But technically, it was a solid match. Soundly, it was a good match. I enjoyed it. I appreciate the outcome for more story to come. I feel like this was a setup match for more story after the fact. But I appreciate it for what it was. Just compared to all the other matches on the card, it kind of lacked just a little bit for me. I am so beyond annoyed with this match. I cannot <laughs> put it in words. Okay. Not only did they only get like eight minutes, right, which is criminal. Both of these two are incredible workers that could have put on an instant classic in 10, right, if they were given the time to do that. Um, So... That annoys me. Secondly, they made Dragon Lee look like an absolute chump in this match. After building him up for a month and a half on SmackDown, making him look bad. This is, honestly, I don't want to say it's a burial, but it hurt his reputation a little bit at least. Um, Because not only has Escobar, again, not won a lot in the past few months, right? Keeping it 100. Granted, the new attitude change, whatever, right? But, like, Dragon Lee hardly didn't get a ton of offense in on this match. It was, I don't want to call it an extended squash, but Dra Escobar had, like, 
maybe five minutes with the offense in Dragon League, I'm like maybe two. And that bothers me quite a bit. Um, I don't mind Escobar winning. Like I said when we were doing the predictions video, I would have preferred Dragon Lee to win through shenanigans, right? But I think the way that they had Escobar beat Dragon Lee makes Dragon Lee look really bad. Uh, and I don't think that makes Escobar look any stronger because it kind of makes Dragon Lee look like, oh, I just beat a few people and I got stopped by this guy. Right, I don't. I don't think it makes either one of them look particularly strong. The match was good. Like, obviously, I don't think either one of these two could have a bad match with each other. But like, I'm irritated. All right, so I'm gonna cut right in. I've never disagreed with anything more ever said on this podcast to date, ever. Um, this match was great. Yes, it was eight minutes. Would it have been better longer? Yes. Was this match still great? Yes. Lana, you are right. The story was not there yet, but you also accurately noted that this is a great Genesis point. This is a wonderful place to start something, and Dragon Lee has shown that he is going to, in some way, defend the LWO. So in Ray's absence, in Carlito's absence, we might see Dragon Lee take a position in a leadership role in the LWO and put him in like a faction pseudo-leader sort of area, which might be good for him. But most importantly, the thing I disagree with more than anything is how is it in WWE programming that taking a destroyer into a finisher is not an understandable way for almost anyone to lose? We don't see destroyers, be it south of the border, be it Canadian. It doesn't matter what destroyer you hit. We almost never see destroyers in the WWE. They are a hyper-protective move, not just slightly protected. And Dragon League got hit one into the other and got the three count. And it didn't even like put him on the payment for like three minutes. He was up 10 seconds after the match. To me, I don't think this buried Dragon Lee at all. I think all this did was propel Santos Escobar because he is very much every part of the threat that we were led up to. You know, because on the on the comms, on the desks, they said, What do you think one day can do to a person? What do you think this mentality switch can do to a person? And I think it was Booker too. T who said, oh, it can make a whole new wrestler. Santos is a whole new wrestler. And Booker T's right. Santos is a whole new wrestler, and we're about to see it coming soon. I agree and disagree uh, with both of you to an extent. I feel like this had no story. Uh, yes, it was a cold match. I do agree. I think it is the beginning of something. Um, I was not heavily invested in this match. It did not... Uh, entertain me in comparison to the rest of the card. It even that like brings it down a little bit further on my list. Um, I do agree though with the finish just being the finish. Like we don't need a million false finishes because you mean to tell me that a lot of your setup moves are so bad that they can never get a win. Like what, like how, you know, how bad is your super kick that it gets kicked out of all the time? You know, like Shawn Michaels was lethal. Dolph Ziggler had a lethal one. Like I, 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 I think that we uh, put too much energy into false finishes sometimes, and I am a okay with a clean win, especially with a very impressive move like that. So that's a okay with me. I'm, I'm okay with the way this match went down. I just was not that entertained by it as a whole. I, I think Santos is great. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. I think Dragon Lee is great, and I'm looking forward to see what he does. Um, I'm grateful that we got this match instead of some filler tag match uh, that we, of like 
you know, superstars that don't matter. But yes, this was this was good for what it was. I'll give it a TO, but that's that's about as far as I go. I'll, I'll say this. I feel like this was, uh, I said it, I feel like this was the set up match for Santos Escobar to, and, but now that you mentioned it, it is also, I feel like a set up match for Dragon Lee. I agree with that was that Dragon Lee can take that position that Ray had to avenge the uh, LWO and be there. And, and he, here's the thing for me. I think this just made Santos, I think the match made him look like a contender of somebody who's going to be a thorn in the side of the LWO, somebody who's going to continue to just give their, that story between the two is going to give them a story to have a mid-card story because we always need a mid-card story. We don't need anything to, we, we have enough main event stories and we have enough, you know, beginning card, whatever, whatever. But we need some good mid-card stories to keep the show going. They got three hours to fill every week, and they need stuff to happen. And I think this is a good story. I think seeing the rise of Santos Escobar turn into the, the heel that he is so good at that we saw in Lucha Underground that we saw before, it's going to be great to see him come back to who he was, who the fans love, and be that heel and i i can't wait to see what the growth is i think this was a good jump off point for them and so i'm not mad at it i wasn't like i said i wasn't mad at the match i thought the match was solid could have used more time sure but i think it was solid enough to give them that jump off and the fact that they got to do it at a war games in front of so many people where all the eyes was on this show because everybody was anticipating the return of people to come back and so all these eyes was on this show and they got to see how good Escobar and Dragon Lee could put on a good, a good, solid wrestling match. So I think this was good for them. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm happy about it. I was okay to, with it. Solid. To, Go ahead. To be clear, like 100% clear, I am not mad that Santos beat Dragon Lee with a destroyer and a phantom driver. Okay? Yes, that should be the end of a match. Both of those moves are deadly enough to be the end of a match. Not my argument. What I'm arguing is the way this match was built and portrayed and the way Dragon Lee has been built up over the past month and a half on SmackDown, it was a pretty lame way to try to build up both of these people. And I, at the end of the day, it may have been successful for you all, but for me, it feels like you kind of sacrificed a new star to build up a new star and didn't really end up succeeding with either of them. At most, it was a C plus for Santos for me, personally. But maybe Dragon Lee got built up so that way Santos had a credible victory. And that's kind of lame. Like, it, to me, I mean, but that's, like, no. we've got to have know? supporting cast. Not everybody can be a main character. And like, both of them are still new into this thing and they're still trying to build up their thing. I don't think this did anything to discredit Dragon Lee for who he is. And I don't think it did anything to make. I think it built both of them up, actually, to me. I felt like Dragon Lee came out looking like somebody who is a contender, somebody who can stand, you know, fight and give us good, solid match. I thought they both walked away looking really good to me. I thought they did. That's just me, personally. But I, I understand what you're saying, Brooke. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love your perspective, Brooke. I appreciate that you um, view wrestling in, like, a different 
light and that's what like we have to have these sort of like if we all just agreed all the time this podcast <laughs> this would be a boring podcast well, it, it, to me agree. it's kind of like you know you build up this guy for however long and then you put him on pay-per-view in his first pay-per-view match and then you have mm. him lose clean in seven minutes like yeah. that feels off weird icky like i'm not saying everybody needs to win their debut on pay-per-view but like it would be nice to have had the match be a little bit more competitive or hell have santos cheat why not because then you're getting him as crafty and you protect dragon lee like there were opportunities here to have this outcome and make people feel better about it and protect both of these guys and i don't think they did that okay. and that's why i'm here <laughs> and we'll see friday more, we'll more see we friday what but up next we did have the women's championship match rhea ripley versus zoe stark and um we all knew what was gonna happen we called it this wasn't a surprise nobody said anything different we all knew rhea was going to pull this off but i will say this zoe stark did exactly what I said she was going to do, and she did exactly what she needed to do. She showed that she is not just going to let Rhea Ripley come in there, smash her, and then dip up out of there with no... It was several times in this match where I thought Zoe Stark actually had this match. And I was like, oh, oh, are they... They're not going to... They're not going to do that, are they? But they, and they, they didn't, by the way. But it was a good, solid match, and I thought Zoe Stark... We always we've said it here on this podcast before, and I'll say it again. You don't have to win to win. Yep. Zoe Stark didn't need to win this match to win. All she needed to do was show the WWE universe, and I think the higher ups in the back that she can compete with Rhea Ripley, put on a show, make it solid, make it believable. And I bought into it. I for a second, like I said, I believe she could, she could have pulled it out. So she did her job. And so well done to Zoe Stark. Um, I hope they don't just let her fall by the wayside like they do a lot of the women in the in the um, locker room just because we've given you a shot now. Go back to the back of the line and we don't hear from you again because she has potential to do great things. I just hope they utilize who she is. But she did a great job. Real Ripley did a good job. The match was good. It was solid. I enjoyed it. Solid, solid match, solid out maneuvering by Zoe Stark. I think that that was what was important too, was like Zoe Stark is smaller, but Zoe Stark is craftier, right? Zoe Stark was able to reverse the riptide, which was an incredible feat in and, of, in and of itself. Like Zoe Stark held her own against Rhea Ripley. Uh, Rhea Ripley is still looking strong and incredible and is a phenomenal uh, women's world champion. Um, just world champion. I don't even need to qualify it with women's because she is, she's, you know, probably, uh, you know, one of the best world champions that we've seen in a hot minute. And I, I, I just, I love Rhea Ripley so much. And Zoe Stark did such a great match. This, this was good. This was really good. I give it a T O P H. Yep. Uh, I got to give it a, a something close to that. I, I got to say three things. Number one, Thank goodness Paul Levesque long-term storytelling. Because if we wouldn't have had Rhea up to this point, you know, we've always complained, well, the storylines aren't there. The length isn't there. She doesn't feel like a dominant champion because she's never on television. We're starting to finally feel it. At least I am. I'm starting to finally feel, yeah, she's not going anywhere. This championship is ironclad. 
I know that it spooked you, Lana, a couple times in the match. I can't say I was I was ever spooked. I could tell that Rhea was never ever in danger, really. Um, even when they tried to get me, they couldn't get me because Rhea is just that dominant. Um, and to her credit, she just seems that dominant. Uh, number two, I gotta say, kudos to Zoe Stark. Still an extremely good fight and a performance. Um, extremely good wrestling all around. But three, I don't know about you all. I feel like something with Zoe Stark is missing. And she has everything but something. And I cannot say that I am knowledgeable enough to know what that is. But I feel like there's one piece of Zoe Stark that if we could get, and I can't tell you exactly what it is, she would really cement herself as a premium candidate for future main events, future women's matches on PLEs. But I need something, and maybe it's a good promo work. Maybe it's an angle. Maybe it's a character. Uh, just something that I would like to see that right now is missing. Those are my three thoughts. I, I agree with that. Um, a couple of things. One, I would agree that Zoe Stark was missing something until this match. Um, I think the thing that was missing for me from, from Zoe Stark was the connection to the fan. Um, because I don't know anybody who would say that Zoe Stark isn't talented. I don't know anybody who wouldn't say that Zoe Stark has a certain natural charisma to her that is really interesting. But I don't really know anybody who would have looked around and said, oh, yeah, Zoe Stark, she's like my favorite women's wrestler in WWE right now. I feel like after this match, I could see someone saying that. Now, granted, no one will ever top of Morgan in my heart, but I get where people could be coming from, and I could definitely see the argument being made because I think the big thing that we had been missing from her was not really having a defined character, you know? Because even with people who aren't on TV very often, right, like Xylee, people, you know, of that nature, they show up every now and then, and that's about it. They at least have some sort of defined character that we're familiar with. Zoe never really got that because she came up, had like two matches, then she was with Trish. And she was with Trish, and she was just Trish's lackey. Then, obviously, she separated herself from Trish, but then after that, you know, we... Granted, she's been having this really cool thing going on with Shayna Baszler that still maybe could be happening still. I'm not entirely sure. But all of we've gotten is, oh, she, she's, she's pretty tough, and that's about it. And I think this match cemented her as somebody who was willing to take punishment and is able to fight back and rise above all of this, overcome as many obstacles as she can. Because the moment where she is kneeling on the ground looks up at Rhea and says, hit me, hit me, right? Like, to me, I'm like, okay, okay, Zoe, I see you. And I think to me, that made me connect with her more than her running with Trish ever did. Um, so I was greatly entertained by this. This is how you make someone look good when they lose. Because um, Zoe, granted, Zoe beating Rhea would not have been realistic. Let's be honest. It, she has not been built up to that level yet. But... This made me think of her as somebody who could be a threat to win the briefcase next unit Money in the Bank. Like, I could definitely see that happening. I, she seems like a really good contender. Now, do I see her winning the Royal Rumble? No, not at all. But Money in the Bank? I don't know. I could see it. And I could definitely see her as somebody holding a women's title within the next, like, two years. I could see it happening if they keep pushing the train behind her. I, I think the thing that's missing 
is we don't know why Zoe Stark is doing what she's doing. Why is she here? Why, like, what, like, we need some, like, you know, I think, I, I wish they would go back to doing, like, those old school, like, sit down interviews. Give Zoe Stark an interview with Michael Cole or with Corey Graves, for that matter. You know, Kevin Patrick. I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, like have her have a sit down and explain like why why was she so defiant? Why was she ready for Rhea to hit her? Why why can she? I, I think that that's where we're doing a great job with storytelling. I think we're lacking a little bit in character development. We have good characters, but we, 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 we bring these characters in presented as they already are. We're not getting any sort of motivation, you know, from these characters. And maybe that's the job of the, the commentators. They're not really providing that for us as well. Because, we again, I like, who is Zoe Stark? I, I truly, like, other than Trish's lackey to, again, okay, she's fierce. And she was saying, hit me again. Okay, she's clearly not averse to punishment. But why? So that's that's what I would say that we would need from Zoe. But if she can give us that, boom, she's a main eventer. She's she's the future of this women's division, hands down. Here's my thing. I agree with you because I had that same issue with Gunther. I was like, why is Gunther the way? You know, what is what what is who is he? We know he's a great wrestler. We know he's very technically sound, but who is he? And I'm still having that question. Like, what? Who is Gunther, so who is Gunther going to be without the belt? Because now we just know he's the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. But who is he going to be with the belt gone? Who is Zoe Stark? What is she going to do? You know, is it is, is she? I, I, I is she? I don't know. Who is she? And we just who need more. She? Who is she? We need more character development, more background, more who she's going to be as a wrestler, but I agree. I think in a couple of years, she can be the, the face of the women's division if they do right by her, her character and who she is, and we know who she is. But yep, You can't just be cool. You, you can't just be cool because there's a lot of people, and we spit in the face the people who think they're cool. But, okay, shout out. Well, I mean, it, if if there is any wrestler who's ever been able to convey themselves in two sentences and tell you what they why they're here, right? Take a cue from Finley, who I know was backstage working with these women, as he always mm-hmm. is. My name is Finley, and I like to fight, right? Here, here. When you hear something like that, you know who they are and what they're here for. And, I mean, granted, I don't want Zoe Stark to come out and say, my name is Zoe Stark and I like to fight or whatever. I want her to come out and just give me something to connect with. And I feel like here she did. I need to see it more than just here, though. I want to see it, you know, I'm not watching Raw right now, I'm recording while Raw's going on. But I want to see it happen week in, week out, and make us connect with her more than we have because this is the first time I've connected with her since she was on NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep. yeah. Also, she is a former NXT Women's Tag Champ with uh, Io Shirai, fun fact. So, um, do with that what you will. But if there's a draft of any sort, I would love to see her and Io interact on SmackDown. But we'll see how that turns out. We'll But... We move because we have one more match to talk about. Okay. Just one more match. Okay. One more match. We just have one more War match. Okay. And we have Sami Zayn, Jay Uso, Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, and Cody Rose 
going against the Judgment Day, Andrew McIntyre. And I will say this. This match irritated the heck out of me, but in a good way. I was very annoyed. <laughs> I was I love very to hear annoyed. It. Love to hear I was, it. I do. I was very annoyed, but I loved it because I was like, "I see you, WWE. I see what y'all doing to me. Y'all pissing me off, but I'm. I love it because we started this thing off with everybody coming out, everybody getting in the cage like they supposed to, and all throughout the night, Jay was freaking out. He's not coming. He's not coming. He's not coming because of me. He's not coming because of me. And Sammy was like, calm down. He's fine. He's coming. Then Seth comes in and he's freaking out. He's not here. Where is he? He's not coming. And Jay's like, he ain't coming because of me. He ain't coming because <laughs> of me. And everybody's like, it ain't about you. He's like, it's me. He not coming because of me. And so they freaking out. Cody comes in. They're like, have you seen him? Have you talked to him? And Cody's like, I haven't talked to him. And Jay's like, he's not coming because of me. He's not coming because of me. And he's like, no, he's coming. He's going to be here. And they're like, but we're about to start right now. And he's like, but he's, he's going to come. But we're starting right now. And we hear the music hit in the background. So they're starting right now. The cage is coming down. The lights is going. We ain't seeing Randy Orton all night. Lights is down. The cage is set. Everybody's coming out. Everybody getting in the cage like they supposed to, and the match starts, and Randy Orton is not in the cage. And I'm like, y'all know what? Y'all playing with me, WWE. Y'all playing with me because we, okay, is he coming? Is he not coming? Because here I am in my WWE brain trying to big brain all the scenarios that's going on. And I'm like, is Randy Orton going to show up? If he don't show up, is this where we're going to have the re big return of who we all looking for? Is this person going to come out and join the match because Randy Orton didn't show up? Or are we just going to wait and see if Randy going to show up at the very last second when the last minute hits? And But if Randy do show up, what does that mean for the money in the bank thing? Because I feel in my head like, a cash-in is happening. In my head, a cash-in is happening. It's happening. It's going down. What's it's going? It's happening. So I'm like, so what does this mean for the cash-in that's going to happen? Is it going to happen before the match is over, right after the match is over? Is this other person going to show up out of nowhere? I was freaking out the entire match. I was upset. And I hated it and loved it at the same time because I was annoyed. But the match itself was like, but they giving it to me. They like giving me everything I want in a war games match. Like I was getting spot after spot and things was getting thrown around and chairs was getting thrown around and other kendo sticks and all kind of weaponry was happening. We got tables teased and all kind of stuff. I enjoyed this match. I was nervous, and then the the music hit at the end with Rhea Ripley coming out with the money in the bank, and I'm like, I knew it. Yes, the cash in is happening. I can't wait to see how they go do this because this is very unprecedented to have a cash in in the middle of a war games match. 
what do you do? Games. Do what? you stop the match? Because it's now a one-on-one match between this person and this other person. Do we continue with the War Games match and this one-on-one part happens within the War Games match? What's happening? And I was like, I'm interested to see what happens. I want to see what, what they do with this. But before the cash-in could even happen, the music hits, Randy Orton comes out, and I'm like, oh, ooh, okay. Randy's here. So that stopped the whole cash-in. Then I was a little disappointed because I was like, oh, that stopped the whole cash-in. So it, it never really ca- cashed in. I'm a little disappointed in that. A little disappointed because I wanted to see what they were going to do. If how, Because uh, this was very unprecedented. I wanted to see what was going to happen. But that didn't happen. Randy comes out. Now, I'm going to say this because I, on this podcast, just a couple of days ago, was worried. And I said, I wonder how Randy Orton is going to be in the ring. Is he going to have ring rust in the ring? Now, we started talking about this before the podcast started. And then we, we paused our thoughts because it looked like there was going to be some dissension amongst the four of us in this podcast. And you know what? I'm here for it. I'm ready for the decision. I'm ready to, to fight and defend my, my take on this. But I do believe Randy Orton had just a little bit of ring rust on him because that that RKO to J.D. McDonough off the, the top of the, 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 the cage, it was, I mean, it was impressive looking if you didn't know what you were looking for. But that we those who know what the RKO when it's done properly and right and what it looks like was like oh that was the botch he, he didn't mean he didn't he missed it he because he, he, you have to time that perfectly for it to look right and it just was a little bit off and some like Randy didn't take a bump or anything throughout this entire match it was like he was just giving punches and giving flips and. But he didn't take a hit. So I'm like, yeah, they still trying to protect Randy, which I'm okay with. I'm fine with. I didn't want him to come out and, you know, just dive right in and hurt himself or not look like the Randy Orton that we all have grown to love because he still got to keep his reputation intact. And I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. It was still a little ring rust for me or me, still a little. But I think they handled it well. I still enjoyed this match. It was one, it was probably my favorite match of the night to answer your question lana about the cash in technically mm-hmm. war games mm-hmm. the match does not start until right. everybody is in the ring you're right so i fully thought that a cash in was possible where damien cashes in on seth and then we get the fifth member and war games begins um i was i was on the same page with you i thought this is war games has not technically started yet this cash in can happen right here what's it gonna be what happens if he cashes in but then somebody else steals the pen i don't even know if that's possible it's just all super fun and it didn't happen um god this was such a phenomenal match i loved the the everybody doing the randy ddt at the same time I, I felt like the story was good. Again, tying to what I said earlier, we didn't forget history, right? Like Cody and Seth had to like, like, yes, we're working together tonight. It's for tonight. You know, you had the tension between Jay and Randy. You know, you had it mentioned earlier that Jay, Jay and Sammy were in more games together last year. You know, like we're acknowledging the past and I love that so much. And for Cody to get his moment, for Cody to get his moment, 
like and to be there in his father's match winning war games is so beautiful it's like this is why cody came back to wwe because cody knows that the real money the real star power the real everything is here in wwe and he's the face he is the face he is the next john cena like that's who he is he is becoming that and it's incredible and he wouldn't have been that been there anywhere else um and i also thought with the way that they were teasing up orton as soon as it was orton that was coming out when they were like is he gonna be here is he gonna be here is he gonna be here i thought they were gonna be like he's like don't worry i called somebody else no orton came out and that's when all of my hope for that other thing to possibly happen depleted a lot. I, I hadn't lost hope just yet, but it sh- shrank a lot. So we'll get into that. Uh, oh, and then about the the RKO, I I don't know if it was ring rust or if Randy Orton had to make a judgment call. I think he wasn't far enough back to be able to fully hit the RKO because I think he was going for like a Evan Airborne RKO. Um, you know, something similar to that. And it, it just didn't quite land, but it's still, uh, you know, it, it, it worked good. And then all the replays that they're showing of it, they're doing some little editing magic to make it look even better. But yeah, this is, this is, I don't know if this was better than last year's men's war games because last year's men's war games story was so beautiful. And I was super invested in that. And I was so committed and that was peak bloodline and the bloodline, you know, storyline. And so this is sort of at the beginning of something new. This is like the rebuilding era um, or us really taking off with the superstars we have now. So I'm just going to give it a T-O-P-H-E. I thought the women's match overall, if I were to watch the match in a vacuum, was better. Um, But this was still a really good match and I was highly entertained. And Oh, Dirty Dom. Dirty Dom delivered. This is the (laughs) this time during the bars. You know, for me, for me, I was irritated. But unlike Lana, I was not okay with it. Um, Because for me, okay, Monday Night Raw, you dropped the Randy Orton bomb, okay? Awesome. Great. Cool. Here for it. Why did you spend an entire show after saying Randy's going to be the fifth guy, right? Pretending like he may or may not show up. We know that if you say this person is going to be here, unless there is extreme life circumstances or illness, right? They show up, okay? We knew he was going to come out. There was no doubt in my mind Ray New York was going to show up. The only way that wouldn't have happened is if he would have got attacked backstage by Judgment Day before the match. Um, and, like, I, I was just aggravated because, to me, it's like if you're going to play up this whole is he going to be here or is he not going to be here – don't tell us who the fifth guy was on Monday. That was the. It's just like these two things are both good ideas, but you don't, you cannot do them at once. So don't do them at once. Um, outside of the match, match is great. Like I don't have any problems with the actual match. Um, I think the order of entrance was really interesting. I'm. I called most of them. Wes and I were talking. I was like, okay, so Jay's gonna come out next, and the McIntyre is gonna come out after Jay, and then the Damian Priest thing. I was like, okay. That's interesting. That's cool, and that's a way to keep it interesting and not expected. Um, and also, that's a way to keep it McIntyre from getting beat down before the final entry comes out, which I also appreciate that as well. Um, JD McDonough is a madman, 
I guess when you're that young, you have the privilege of being able to do that sort of thing. But, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's not that young, that young. He's in his 30s, so, like, calm down, my dude. Um, <laughs> but um, I was highly entertained. Yeah, the RKO may not have landed perfectly, but, like, to be honest, it's a miracle that we got the Evan Bourne one and the Seth Rollins one to work perfect. So, like, two out of three for these high spot RKOs I can deal with. Um and I'm also really happy that JD didn't get injured doing that because that could have went very wrong. Um, so uh, he's wearing okay. a neck brace tonight, so he got a little he, bit of a gimmick. It's great. It's great. He's wearing a neck brace. He's neck. probably yeah. hurt, right? <laughs> I am not watching Raw, um, but I can't. I don't have cable. Um, but I was really entertained. I'm happy for Cody. Um, I wish we would have gotten the post-match RKOs all over the place. I know why they didn't do that now, but in the moment, I wanted that. Um, because Randy Orton is just so much more compelling as a heel, <laughs> like, we all know. Um, but yeah, like, I was entertained. I'm not, I think the women's match was stronger on the whole. Um, but I think they are both really great. Yep, uh, women's match was definitely better as a whole. I don't think that detracts anything, but I do got to point out that uh, if we look at this ensemble cast, SmackDown has been driving the events and the story of WWE for a while. Guys, this was a raw main event. Mm-hmm. If you look at everything Judgment Day, you look at the Cody, Seth, you know, Jay, we're looking like Monday Night Rollins, we're looking at the face of Raw, we're looking at main event Jey Uso, Sammy, this was really cool to see. I'm a bigger invested into Raw because I love the Judgment Day and I love Cody Rhodes. So for me to get to watch Raw be the main, main, main event was really cool. And I know, Lana, you said it's the ring rust for me. I say I have to disagree because I think holding Randy Orton to the standard of, oh, you know, this unbelievable RKO that only, only could be done by Randy Orton being not perfect means that he's ring rusty is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think no other wrestler could do what Randy Orton does or almost no other wrestler. So his slams were on point. Every DDT. other part of the match was on point. His DDTs are on point. And, you know, Lana, you did say he didn't take any punishment. But I'll point out, no one after Randy Orton came in took any punishment. Period. The moment Randy Orton entered that ring, if you watch back, it was an absolute disaster for the judgment day the moment he walked in the ring and so to me i don't know if that's going to be too much to like randy are they protecting him too much i think it shows randy's dominance right i think it showed him being the the apex predator correctly and so to me i think that was big uh i completely agree with you about cody rhodes and his father's success and all of that uh of course big fan of cody rhodes and it just shows you how over cody rhodes is you know people were wondering after WrestleMania, I was people, uh, but other people were people. Will everyone else, not me, will everyone else lose faith in Cody Rhodes and now that his story didn't end that day? It doesn't matter if he takes a picture with a puppy, everyone cares. Like, whatever Cody Rhodes does, oh, it's a Cody Rhodes War Games, which is a different than a regular War Game. It's pretty crazy. So it, I'm glad to see that Cody is over the way he is. So, you know, I have to shout out Cody Rhodes. I loved seeing Randy Orton back. This match was pretty phenomenal. I think that this was probably the better war games if you look at men's, women, war games 
collectively, but that's just because of how much I love this woman's war games. I think it was phenomenal. So shout outs to Survivor Series. I don't know if it's as good as WrestleMania was in total, but because Cody Rhodes won in this and lost in WrestleMania, you know what? I'm biased. So I'm like, man, this might be my favorite pay-per-view of the entire year. So, yep, this match happened. I I thought it was solid. I think we all agree this was one of the good matches, one of the, one of the best matches tonight. It, I think the women's match was uh, better mm-hmm. <laughs> in a – in a, um, I guess, wrestling standpoint, technique, and all the kind of interesting and the bumps and stuff. But I think this match, for the story of it all, the excitement of it all, the anticipation of it all, it didn't let me down. Yep. Um, and, can I throw something at you all real quick before sure. you move on? So, during this match, okay, I was watching with a few people, namely the person directly above me in this little column of commentators here. Um, mm-hmm. And he said something that I did not agree with, and I'm curious if you two or have the same viewpoint as West. Okay, West said that Sami Zayn's Holova kick is a bad finisher. Now, I'm curious as to other people's opinion on this because, from my perspective, I really enjoy it, but I want to see if I'm the only one. So, what do you two have to think about that? I mean, it's one hell of a kick, like. You get kicked to the face by Sami Zayn while you're in the corner and, like, that boot just drives right through you. You're knocked freaking silly. It is one hell of a kick. So it is a phenomenal finisher. It's catchy. Like, getting kicked in the head is a solid finish. You normal people don't get kicked in the head and walk away from a situation so yes it is a great finisher it's a great setup it it, it gets the audience going it has a little bit of tag afterwards what else do you want this man to do what can he do oh um for me i am leaning along the side of west here i don't think it's a the greatest finish because i've seen people him hit that And several people, not just regular anybody, just several people have gotten up from the Kaluba kick. It's taken him the Kaluba kicking people three, four times sometimes to get him down. And I'm like, if this is your finisher, it needs to finish people, not finish them over and over and over again before you actually can finish them. If you hit somebody with a Kaluba kick one time and then they get up right after that, and then even the strongest of the strongest. Okay, maybe maybe that'll work on like Tazawa one kick and he's done and he's out. Not saying Tazawa's a punk wrestler anyway, but I'm just saying smaller. But you and then you have somebody, and I'm not saying it has to be like Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar or somebody a big big huge person. It shouldn't take anybody three times to hit your finisher. I had a problem with when. I mean, Brock Lesnar can hit somebody with F5 one time and they're done. Even though sometimes you have to hit people three, four times and then done. I don't want to kick. If that's your finisher, I want it to finish them. Like, you hit it and they're done. So I kind of agree with Wes. I don't think it's the best finisher. Is it a Rudy Pooh finisher? No, but it's not the best. 
And the, to defend I myself, oh, ahead. because there, there's been said enough. First of all, what I was talking about is at the last moment of this match, a bunch of people hit their finishers, culminating in an RKO. And when all those finishers were going off, there was one of them to me that felt a little slow, a little unimpactful, and almost looked like it missed entirely. And that was the Haluva kid. And so for me, it's hard to forcibly always put your opponent in the corner. They never just duck it. They never just move out of the way. And there are five other kicks that I could probably name off the top of my head to me that are more impressive. Uh, the Trouble in Paradise is one. The Bro Kick. The Claymore. And I could go on. To me, what you need for having music, a crazy striking finisher is first it needs to put people down, but two, you have to have the muscle and body mass to, to sell it to me, and I don't think Sami Zayn does. Right. Gotcha. So um, that's what I do. In, I, I to, to quickly that. respond, because I, I, I did may or may not have thrown my friend into the bus without warning there. Um, I don't hate it. I think it's definitely not the best move in his arsenal he could be using for a finish, and we discussed this on Saturday too. Where I said, anybody remember him doing the Koji clutch back in the day? That thing's great. It's a really underused submission that looks crazy. I always thought he could do the Holova kick and then pull them into the Koji clutch and it would look super cool and almost use the Holova kick as like a setup move. But in the moment when you see, you know, crossroads and, and, and a curb stomp and later in an RKO and even the Jey Uso splash, which is literally just a top rope splash. It doesn't have the same impact as those moves, but I still think it works. So that's yep. where I'm at with it. All I'm saying is a running knee to the turnbuckle is a combination finisher, mm. and a running kick to the turnbuckle is a finisher? I, you're, you, you know what? You got me sold, Wes. <laughs> Let's get this man a better finisher. Petition to contain a better finisher. <laughs> Give him a Canadian destroyer. Maybe he can start. Just because he's Canadian does not mean he has to do a Canadian destroyer. Maybe he can start doing the code breaker. We don't have anybody doing that right now. We need something else. It just needs. I feel like the Haluva. I think the Haluva kick is a good setup for something else for to go into the finishing. But okay, but we can't in this podcast without talking about the elephant in the room because there was some discussion on this podcast the last time we talked about it was he was he not coming some people say he's not coming i'm sure it broke i did not say i was sure of it i said i did not think it was happening and if it did happen i would have been delighted to be wrong is delighted to be wrong yes that is what you said but look your demeanor said i I didn't think it was happening your demeanor was like it ain't happening it's not happening ain't coming um topher was on the verge of maybe maybe not he could come he won't come Wes said he's coming. Wes was like, he's coming. It's happening. I was on the bed of, it's happening. It's coming. The hints are there. It has to happen. They can't not let it come. Just when is it coming and how is it going to happen? Right. And you know what? It happened. (laughs) It happened. (laughs) 
Um, and Westbrook could not be happier that she that they were wrong. Correct. In the in the chat instantly when it happened, like I'm so happy I was wrong, and I was like, I have... I'm so happy you were wrong because I knew it. I felt it in my bones, and I don't know about y'all, but in my household, we were marking out. We were screaming. Oh, my nephew was out. running up and down the halls. I was screaming. It was insanity. I was singing to the theme music. I was Wes and I were hugging. Uh, we had a friend there named Dom who had never watched a wrestling event before, and he was very confused. Um, but, um, but no, um, for me, right? Because th- this is something they don't do very often. I looked at Wes. I said, if they show the watermark, it's over. It's done. Move on. That watermark came on the screen. Yep. And I looked at Wes. I was like, he's not coming. I'm sorry, dude. And then they were panning out. I'm like, that's a pretty good closing shot. You know, it's indifferent for them. They usually end on like a victory pose or something. And then it, I saw it on the, the Minitron before mm-hmm. the music hit. I saw the red and white flash. I went, no. And then, and I went insanely crazy. Um, Peter Rosenberg on the freaking kickoff show called himself the best in the world. And I looked at Wes. I'm like, they're not. They can't do it so blatantly. Because, like, Nakamura using a GATS a few times, whatever. You know, at this point, a lot of people use something similar to it. But, damn, if they didn't get us good, because I think there were about 80% of wrestling fans who had resigned themselves to the fact that Punk was not coming back ever. And this is the best-kept secret in pro wrestling history, maybe? Like, it's, it's in contention, for sure. And... According to Triple H, it happened very last minute. Very. So, props on you, WWE. You got one. You did it. You made it. And, and I heard that nobody nobody knew. Like, it was very under wraps. Very, very few people knew. So, like, Peter Rosenberg, it was all just speculation. I don't think Peter Rosenberg had any idea. I think he was just the same yeah. level of speculation that we were, right? Like, you're just making these hints. And, you know, like, there are... So, like, what other industry, what other company, what other world is there where everyone eventually comes back? Name me one. Like, the only person, and it's because they didn't live long enough for it to happen, was Randy Savage, right? But everybody else, Bret Hart, whose brother died in that ring... Right? Like, literally. Like, and he was screwed over massively in his hometown. Like, decided to come back and shake hands with a man that participated in it. And has since done so much work for WWE. What? There, there is nothing like it. I am sorry to all the AEW stands out there. But you are not even near close to a second company. You are the best indie show there is out there and the highest produced indie show there is out there. But at the end of the day, WWE is the place to be. It is the only place to be. It is the only place where you will find a WrestleMania. You will only, all of your childhood dreams come true in WWE. And one day, you know, your Kenny Omegas and your Will Ospreys and your Young Bucks, they will experience it. They will finally get the call. They will get the buzz. They will show up and they will understand. But, like 
CM Punk, like, there is something to be said for the fact that, like, and yes, Triple H said it in the press conference, 10 years changes everybody. If you are the same person you were 10 years ago, then you've done something wrong, right? Like, no matter what. Sure. And I think there was growth on both ends. I mean, hell, WWE is a completely different company now. They're, they're TKO. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Triple H is in charge, Vince is not. There are a lot of different protocols in place for concussions and things of that nature that exist now. You know, all of the things that CM Punk had problems with don't exist anymore. And I think CM Punk has grown as a person. I think he had to go somewhere that was, you know, clearly the backstage where they play favorites and it's an S show. You know, I, I think that he needed to see, like, okay, I've got to go back to the land of Oz. I've been in Kansas for too long. And uh, there are so many dream matches and dream feuds. This man is one of the best on the microphone of anybody ever. He makes me feel like no other superstar makes me feel. And I cannot wait. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Heel punk. And we better get heel punk because that's the only, that's like the best punk is heel punk. And like we're, oh, boy. I, I just, I, the future is so freaking bright. And I, again, I hated this man three weeks ago because I'm like, he's toxic. He's bad for the business. He's terrible. I can't believe he's backstage punching Luke Perry's son. What the? No, I love this man. He was my favorite wrestler in 2012, you know, 2010 to that, like from the time he debuted, even doing the straight edge society. Like I, I was a punk stan and I fell out of love with this man. And now I am in love again. Yep. Pretty much. I am, I guess, in agree with Topher day. This is agree with Toast Day. Toast really spitting here because I completely agree with everything said, except I don't think we can ever get the heel punk we got in 2012 Not now. anymore. In the same way that we look at Seth Rollins, mm. the days mm -hmm. of being able to get a crowd to hate CM Punk are over. It's done. Maybe the only human alive who can make a crowd hate CM Punk potentially a CM Punk, but we'll come to see that. But I, I have to think that after 10 years, I think that time is officially over. What we're probably going to get is some type of tweener in between. You know, we're already seeing this is the, the decade of the audience loves me, but I still am a heel. Yeah. This is, the, this is the decade of we have heels that the audience cheer for, and we have baby faces that the audience booze. We live in a more complex time to be a wrestling fan and no one better emphasizes that complexity than CM Punk himself. Can't be happier. Um, I would like to push back a smidge on a few of the things that were said. Just, a, just, a, just, a, just this much. I would say that we are in a better time for wrestling than we have been in. Honestly, I, this might be a hot take. I think this might be a better time for wrestling than the Attitude Era was. And I think part of that comes from the fact that there is legitimate competition and there is a legitimate alternative. You know, we do live in a capitalist society and competition begats better product. You know, that's just the way it is. When WWE had to stop trying after WCW died, look at what happened. They got stale. The invasion storyline wasn't great. 2002 to 2005, we are all aware of the Triple H reign of terror. You know, like things like that. It just wasn't always a consistently good product in that time period. When TNA started stepping up back in the day, in like 2007, 2008, that's when WWE started caring again. Now, eventually, did they bury that company so far down uh, into the ground 
that they're now like third at best in this country? Yes. But I am happy that there is an AEW to exist that allows WWE to feel like they need to put the pedal on the gas. Um, now, is AEW second place? Absolutely, they are second place. Is AEW, you know, an indie spot fest half the time? Absolutely. Do they need to learn how to create compelling storylines? Most of the time, yeah. But they are still an alternative, and they are still something that is making WWE be better. So I'm not going to say that they're distant, dead last, whatever. They don't have the brand recognition. They don't have the experience and the history. But they are still there. And I think that's and, good that they are there. And a quick addendum there. AEW creating storylines that aren't carried on the back of MJF. They aren't carried on MJF's back, and they aren't carried on the back of Kenny Omega or Adam Page. They're going to have to figure out how to do that. Or learning how to book women. Um, But beside the point, um, I'm happy that Punk is back. I'm really curious to see where this goes. Um, And I definitely think we're going to be living in a different WWE than we lived in a week ago. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where we can just adjust to it immediately, right? Like, Cody Rhodes coming back at WrestleMania a few years ago, right? As big of a deal as that was, he was the first person to jump ship the other way, right? It didn't really shatter the core of WWE immediately, you know? Unlike R-Truth's return. Exactly, 100%. How much of that did you hear? Because I definitely got out. R-Truth ruffled the feathers of a lot of people in the locker room. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, do we want to talk about the Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre of it all as well? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so, could I, let me ahead. make my statement and then we'll yes, jump right into that. No, it's okay. CM Punk to me is somebody who is going to come in and shake up some stuff that need to be shaken because I feel like as good as WWE has been in these last few pay-per-views and, and, and even on Raws and SmackDowns, they've been been good and it's been it's been it's been a good product. I feel like this is what we needed to add an extra layer of something. I don't know. Something else to the product. Something that gives us something to be excited about. And I think this is a good starting point for um, for Raw and for SmackDown and for WWE as a whole to give us more, give us because this this felt like they listened. This felt like WWE finally listened to what the people wanted because people have been asking for CM Punk to come back for years, and I think now was the time because I agree Triple H saying that ten years. Is a long time, and if you are the same person you were 10 years ago, then something is wrong. You're not doing something right. And the growth and maturity had to take place into CM Punk and into the, the uh, WWE as like triple and triple H because they didn't have the best relationship, CM Punk and Triple H. And Triple H is now running WWE, and CM Punk has to come back and acknowledge that this man is now his boss. And they had history. So to be able to put all of that aside and set it aside, like, you know what, whatever we were beefing about, we got to set it aside. We're not beefing. We've grown. We've matured. They probably don't even remember the stuff that they were fighting about 10 years ago. Do you remember fights you had 10 years ago? Absolutely not. You just forget all that stuff because you've grown. You've matured. You've realized whatever I was mad about two, 10 years ago ain't even worth it right now. So, and like, uh, it, it's just, 
I, I feel like this is a good point for WWE, for CM Punk. He came back at the right time. And um, I, I said something before we came back, we came on the air. I changed my mind. I changed my mind, y'all, because I, I feel like this is, we have to talk about it. I feel like we just have to. And at first I didn't think we needed to, but I kind of feel like we do kind of now. Um, so we watched, CM Punk came back tonight on Raw. We recording this right now as, as Raw was going on at the time, and we ended up stopping to watch it. I said when we stopped it, I was like, no, nah, we're not going to talk about it. But I'm like, it, we have to because of what he said. The things that he said on Raw was kind of like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, this is. They were uh, this, raw. They yeah. were raw, and it was very intuitive, and it was like, you know what? It made sense. He literally said on Raw, he didn't come back to make friends. He came back to make money. Yep. And if that ain't a heel kind of statement to make, but in all of that, it was true. And the crowd ate it up. They ate his whole presence up. I, I agree with what you said was CM Punk can't be heel that people aren't going to like. Like that's never happening for him anymore because people want yeah, him I, back. I don't think even if he turns vegan, there's any hope for him. Absolutely not. He 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 can bring that to hemp belt and all of that stuff. And folks be like, all right, we're gonna be we turn to be he's been straight straight edge his whole life. That's the whole thing. Yeah. He can't do nothing else to make people be like, I don't like CM Punk. Only person who can turn us against CM Punk is CM Punk. And that's if he come out and do some real stupid, stupid like real life stupid stuff. And he kept it wholesome, right? Like he kept what he had said, he kept it positive. He kept mm -hmm. it light. You know, he spoke the truth, starting with the words, I'm home, which is like earth shattering, in my opinion, because like, again, I think that CM Punk's relationship with WWE, it was a terrible, terrible breakup that left a hole in his heart. But it's like two teenagers that break up in high school after having a really bad spat. You know what I mean? Maybe they were meant for each other, just not the right time, but the right, mm -hmm. you know, not the right time and not the right place, but the right person. A, he tried dating AEW and it just was not filling that hole. And I think that's why he was having such a visceral reaction to everything going on in AEW because mm -hmm. it's it's everything he loves, but it's it's not what he loves yep. right and, it's and it was it was also wrestling with no love for cm punk mm -hmm. and there's never a room where cm punk should have to walk into and there is no love for the wrestler cm punk in a wrestling ring right it's ridiculous and think about it he literally he said it i i cannot think of any other wrestler who has left wwe and for nine years of absence continued to have chance for them in every arena all around the world. Every live event that I have gone to has had CM Punk chance. Mm -hmm. Something has taken place to make people want to go CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk. We know like CM Punk was never coming back. Like, but, but it, the chance continued with Ric Flair woos. Okay. But that's a woo, right? That's not like, but like, I, no, there's no other superstar, even with Stone Cold gone. You don't hear people going Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. Nope. I think that's a closer. I think CM Punk, if Cody Rhodes is the John Cena, then CM Punk is the Stone Cold. And we have both a John Cena and a Stone Cold, both in their prime right now. And you got Seth Rollins, the Randy Savage, 
like we we have a roster so deep and that's just the men's side oh my god like the women's side is just like this this is the best era of wrestling ever and it, it makes me weep with excitement i felt i have not felt what i had felt when he debuted and what i just watched that on raw in years that is the high i have been chasing watching wrestling and i finally got it yeah i mean listen we've got our prodigal sons back cody is back and not only is he back he's better than ever Mm -hmm. cm punk is back he might be better than ever we have randy back this is this is a huge moment and it's pretty serendipitous that we get to see it and you know to be on an emotional level right because that's where we're leveling right now I feel like one of the reasons why the WWE has had such a unique relationship with Punk and no one forgetting him is because that's one of the only relationships to feel like it never resolved. Yep. It was a horrible fight. It was a breakup, but there was never any resolution. Things never got any, you know, it never came to terms either way. And this is resolution in the hearts of fans that are 10 years deep wins. That is an unbelievable thought to think that we finally get resolution on something that we haven't had for over a decade. That is um, so true. Go ahead, bro. For me, I'm really excited to see where he goes. Um, I remember, you know, 2014, I was watching that Rumble, right? And a lot of people thought he was going to win that Rumble. I remember that vividly. I Like, the atmosphere around Punk at the time was huge because, I mean, he hadn't had a best year. 2013 was not his best year. Um, and when he didn't, right, with the whole Kane choke slamming him through the announce table thing, right, I was like, oh, well, that's fine. We'll have a really good match at Mania no matter who it is. And then he just didn't come back. And he was gone, you know, for a while. And eventually you find out, oh, he's left. And he's not coming back. Because uh, I didn't get to live through the Stone Cold Steve Austin walkout. You know, I didn't get to live through that. I, I mean, I did, but I was not cognizant. So that was just something that had never happened. You know, it, it never happened at the time for me. Um, and now, you know, coming full circle, he's back, you know, and obviously he's not going to have unfinished business with Kane because, dear God, please no. But um, and Kane's you know, retired. But we love you, I just, I want to see... CM Punk have these matches that we didn't get to see when he was there before and the matches that nowadays are huge look at how the landscape has changed in 10 years you know Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns are completely different people than they were 10 years ago right in that match they were still part of the shield none of them had won a title other than the tag belts right um and like we we exist, we are existing in a world where wait actually hold on I have my timeline off but regardless, you know they were still on the come up they didn't really get a chance to have that kind of match, and now imagine CM Punk versus Seth Rollins at the Royal Rumble. Imagine CM Punk versus Roman Reigns in like a year, right? There are just so many matches that could happen. That granted, those could have happened and did happen when Punk was there the first time, but they just feel so much different, and also. We are finally in a situation to have a match I have dreamed of since 2008, which is CM Punk versus AJ Styles. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, 
two people who were so fundamental to that early indie scene. They had so many good matches before Punk signed with WWE in the first place. Now we can have one final match to close that chapter, one final feud match with like Nakamura. They just passed each other. You know, Nakamura got signed in 2014, right after Punk left. So many things have changed in well, 2016. So many things have changed in that time period that Punk being back feels like a foundational shift to this company that if you would have told somebody three months ago that this was, was going to happen and it happened this soon, they would have thought you were crazy. So I hope yep. Punk is not the first person to come back. <laughs> Sasha, <laughs> Naomi. Um, but... <laughs> And I hope there are more that come down on the pipeline. <coughs> Dolph, <coughs> Evan Bourne. <coughs> but um, there are so many people that could just come back now that I, again, this is a bigger time period, in my opinion, and something that's going to be more foundational than the Attitude Era. We are living in a wrestling boom. And it's so exciting. And it's so compelling. And dear God, I'm so happy to see him on this And so well said. And it opens the door. This is now person number three that has come from, well, four if you count Brian Pillman Jr., but I don't really count that. Um, this is person number three that has jumped ship backwards to WWE. I, and I yep. think that now. Cody Jade Punk, baby. Yep. It's, and I think it's all open. It is all open. And I think AEW is a great place to go and learn a new hole. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's necessary to exist. I think it's great that they have superstars that are on their decline that go and, you know, finish off their tenure in AEW. I think it's great that superstars on the rise. We're going to get MJF in WWE soon. We may get Chris Jericho coming back to WWE before he's done. We're going to get, you know, everybody like comes, you know, I think. And, and speaking about Topher, when people are done. We have added two men, Randy Orton and CM Punk, who would be a befitting way to retire Cena. Something that I felt wasn't really possible in the roster just before this. Who was the real right man to retire Cena? We can't have Angle. We can't have these people. But Randy and CM Punk are people who have been around and a retirement match between any one of those people and Cena would be unbelievable in the terms of oh my god give me punk cena at wrestlemania the feud of the man that never left but is now a hypocrite because he has left versus the man that had such a hate for the company and everything john cena represents <gasps> that's a dream oh. can you also like but again talking about cena talking about punk talking about orton we got this whole new crop of talent that have just exploded into this company while punk has been gone right people like chad gable you know that could have a match with anybody that's going to be super compelling right people like cedric alexander give them like 15 minutes on a raw and it's gonna be so interesting and fun and fresh and new all of these matches that we couldn't have had two weeks ago right so i want to see CM Punk mixing it up with anybody and everybody because we don't know when we're how long we're gonna have him he is in his mid-40s so whatever happens in the time period we have him I just hope Punk what he said in that promo tonight he means it and that he has changed and that he is willing to give to these ta these talents that aren't just you know 
Seth Rollins with a world title, you know? Like, I, like CM Punk versus Gunther. Just imagine, CM Punk versus Gunther. Tell me you don't want to watch it. I don't believe you. <laughs> like, there's so many people that I want to see Punk mix it up with, and I'm happy that we get to see it. And all we can do now is just watch and see what happens, y'all. And it's so great to be in a wrestling boom. It's, it's great to be a wrestler fan right now. I agree. This is a good time. This Survivor Series War Games, to me, has been... It was a success. It, it gave us what we wanted. It gave us all the things that we needed. And um, we got some great returns. Our truth came back. Randy Orton came back. CM Punk came back. What else could you ask for? I don't know. But I was very happy with this. I am thrilled that this was the Survivor Series War Games that we ended the year off of. The pay-per-view that we ended this year with. We're going into the Road to Royal Rumble now. So I'm excited about that. And this is going to be our last pay-per-view until Royal Rumble, I think. Right? We got nine weeks, y'all, with no pay-per-view. With no pay-per-views. It's crazy. But we're going to wrap it up because I think we've said everything that needs to be said about everything that needs to be said. Overall, overall, real quick, overall, y'all, how do we, what overall rating of Survivor Series? Topher? 10 out of 10. Wes? Yeah, I'm giving it a 10. Brooke? Matches, 7 out of 10. Overall event, 10 out of 10. Wow, overall, 10 out of 10 for me. Enjoyability factor was a 10 out of 10. I enjoyed it. It was great. And so for that, we are going to say thank you for watching. We appreciate you. We will be right back here at the next time for the next pay-per-view, which is going to be Royal Rumble. We might throw in a couple of off one-off videos. Who knows? We might have some things to talk about, some top 10 that we like to throw around here, some oh, leading up to the Royal Rumble. We do have some one-off videos. I thought I, I forgot. We're talking about Royal Rumbles of the past, matches, the women's matches, the men's matches, Royal Rumbles of the past. We're going to talk about those. We're going to give our opinions and some lead-ups to the Royal Rumble. Since we got nine weeks, we might as well throw something out in there. But check us out. Hit that subscribe button. If you stuck with us this whole time, you know you like us, and we like you. So we appreciate you. So hit the subscribe button, the follow button. Leave comments. Tell us what you thought about War Games. Get your cup merch, period, because why not? Cup merch uh, is not limited to but the cup mug and other things at lonagiescreations.etsy.com. Follow all of our socials at the cup pod on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, and TikTok because we have funny moments. We go put some wrestling TikToks and things on there. So, you, you know, follow us. Follow on uh, Instagram. That, that's me right there on Instagram. Um, Subscribe to this channel. Subscribe to our main channel. And we have a new channel. If you like Eurovision, subscribe to the Cup ESC channel. That's happening now. Because we're a multi... Whatever. We, we, got, we got a whole lot going on here. And we put content out almost every day. So check us out. And um, that's it. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you. And... When I get to the outro thing, we'll see you all next time. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Night. Peace. Telling me is he's back. <laughs>